What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Offshore Insights Podcast, where we share captivating individuals and stories connected by water. It's great to be back with you after a bit of a holiday break. I hope you all had an enjoyable, relaxing, and fulfilling holiday season. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to say Happy New Year's. I wish each and every one of you all good things in this moment and all those to come in the new year. I'm your host, Evan Luth. We're stoked you could join us today, and I hope you enjoy the ride. I recently had the opportunity to spend some time exploring the land and sea and reconnecting with my heritage over in the Emerald Isle. The journey was amazing, and I had the honor and pleasure of getting to know some amazing local folks, people like today's guest, Eski Britton. Eski and I had been crossing paths with near misses many times throughout the trip. As I was chasing the storms all over the map in hopes of high seas and pots of gold, she was busy doing much more responsible and impressive things like working at the Galway University. Nevertheless, we kept in touch, and she was gracious enough to make an extra effort, and we finally got to sit down together for a chat. We met in the beautiful seaside town of Strandhill in County Sligo, located in the Northwest Territories of the island. We took a stroll down the beach to the rolling sand dunes to find a little wind protection, and it was there that we sat and began to talk story. Eski's family could easily be described as pioneering in more ways than one. In the 1950s, after first witnessing surfing and the popularity of the sport in Malibu, California, Eski's grandmother was fascinated with the scene. And it was upon realizing that she had seen superior breakers back home directly out in front of her inn that she became inspired to bring the first surfboards back to Ireland. Those surfboards, well intended for the guests of her inn, were quickly commandeered by her sons, who took it upon themselves to explore the nearshore seas and learn the art of wave riding. One of these brothers was Eski's father, and invigorated by his new life passion, he raised her in an immersive ocean environment hoping to pass along the gifts of the sea. Given that Eski so happily took to her hydrophile nature, she went on to lead a life forever connected to the sea. Through her own experiences and wisdom, she has become acutely aware of the importance of sharing the blessings and insights we receive, the significance of our relationship to nature, and how universal the life lessons are that we learn from an apparently simple act of surfing. Eski is a surfer, researcher, professor, activist, and role model as she advocates for the voices of many around the world. Through her work, she focuses on research that explores and discovers the tangible positive impacts of our connection to nature, and she shares that work, that aloha, and that stoke with the rest of the world in hopes that it might inspire more of us to connect to our passions surroundings and to share those experiences if you haven't already had the pleasure please go check out her amazing ted talk i've included that and a number of other links to some of the awesome creative and professional projects she's worked on including her research findings recently published in the oxford academic journals titled blue care a systemic review of blue space interventions for health and well-being 
It was truly a pleasure to get to know Iski and to learn from her. It wound up being one of my more favorite discussions, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it as well. So without further ado, I give you episode number 11 with Iski Britton. I'm Iski, I'm from Donegal in the northwest of Ireland and I've grown up by the sea my whole life and it's where I feel most at home. Beautiful, love it. Um, so part of what I'm really curious about was having obviously spent your whole life in or around the sea, I think um, there's so many you know, lessons that we learn from being around any kind of nature and being immersed in it, but certainly that the ocean teaches us. And um, I was just curious how you think that the ocean or water in general may have helped you to kind of develop your own trajectory in life, but also kind of maybe sense of self-purpose too. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know if you uh, could speak to that. Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I, I definitely see it as the single greatest influencer in my life is, is the sea um, and that sort of constant relationship I have with it and it just informs pretty much everything that I do <laughs> um, and I mean I grew up with that instilled in me as well because I my my dad in particular he still surfs and we surf together all the time but he's just so passionate about it and completely in love with it and seeing that very early on through your parents that the power of connecting with something that gives you that sense, sense of joy uh, and it's just there naturally available um, is really profound and then being I suppose the importance of being able to design your, not quite design, but shape your life around that to always make space for what matters most. Yeah. I think so. And I realize now that that's actually a gift to have that level of awareness so early on that this is the thing I'm most passionate about and wow. that matters most in my life. To have already, I didn't ever have to actually discover that because I was right. pretty much born into it, yeah. like thrown into the sea. And Swimming luckily I did feel at home straight away in it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's something in a name too. So Eski comes from the Irish word for fish, um, ah. Eisk. And it's the name of a place on the west coast of Ireland. Sure. Uh, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just sitting there yesterday. Uh, yeah. It's a brilliant so wave. Eski Wright is this right hander. It's it's one of um, dad's favourite waves. So he named me after they named me after the wave. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> setup. I love checking it out and finally seeing it in person. I'd heard, you know, I'd heard you talk about it and then I'd, you know, seen photos and you know, I was using my old European storm riders guide from mm. fifteen years ago and just looking at the photos over the years and then finally being there was really nice to see in person. Yeah, so it's yeah. definitely like it's it's something that's in in the blood for sure. Isn't yeah, it? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what would you say? Um, I mean, I've heard you speak before about you know some of the life lessons that you've gotten out of surfing and stuff yeah, like that. You know, yeah. here you talk about kind of the art of you know awareness and paying attention, engaging your senses, and kind of finding that balance between seeking the edge and, and the extremes of your boundaries, but also kind of mm. respecting the boundaries once you find them. And um, yeah, what would yeah. you say are some of the, like the, the key lessons that you've learned? And, and I guess also, how do you how do you integrate those into your life? Like, how does that translate, <laughs> you know, to life on land? Yeah, well, there's a lot in there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Loaded it up. Yeah, it's com like for me, it's completely been this sort of active life metaphor. Um, and I'm always curious about, I'm really interested in the, boundaries this concept of thresholds um what happens when we transition from land into sea and come back again and i think i'm keenly aware of it again by the nature of where i've grown up and 
where I'm from, which is, you know, somewhere like Donegal. And it really, you're, you just can't but be aware of that meeting of, of rock and land with the, the full force of something like the Atlantic Ocean. Mm. And there's just that, that interaction and energy and magic that happens there. Right. And always being drawn to it and the constant change and unpredictability and uh, beauty as well as... Um, I guess it's so powerful sometimes it's scary, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is part of it. There's kind of, there's an edge to it as well, where yeah. it's, it's not always welcoming. Um, right. though that's what draws me to it as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then there's a, there's a vitality in that fear, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a, yeah, so much vitality. So you can't, but like feel alive, right. um, or awake to whatever it is that you're feeling. If it's hard to be kind of numb to that or to completely close yourself off to the world around you when right. it's just like you know the wind's literally cutting through you <laughs> so it feels and no, no you know, choice, the really in the rain matter, is stinging yeah. your face that definitely brings you into some yeah, yeah, moments yeah. you're on the edge um, figuratively and literally yeah. Yeah. yeah but i mean that that aside i feel like i'm constantly learning and that's probably what draws me to it um and a lot of people maybe with something like surfing um and even like yeah my seeing someone like my dad and how he, he's constantly learning so to see i think that's the attraction for me as well i can live my whole life and be constantly learning new things yeah. so there's always that um that fuels that curiosity and um in us as humans which i think is really important to never lose but maybe one of the other things that is important when i reflect now is something around maybe there's, there's a few things and i'm having a greater awareness of it now when i i suppose move into more of a role as as well, both researcher, but also teacher mm-hmm. um, and seeing where, where people are at and what challenges they're facing, either be that in terms of leadership development or students at the university. Or, and a lot of it is this around this sense of self, like the who am I question mm. and finding that uh, and attached to that is also the sense of belonging in the world. Right. And in the face of so much change. And then there's something also around this... Um, independence and autonomy maybe in the sense where what I mean by that is um, a lot of the work I do now looks at the relationship with nature and the importance of being outdoors and engaging with it and for kids like outdoor play and so when I think about my childhood my playground was the sea Um, and but for me something about surfing that's so key is that sense of um, I suppose that independence and autonomy it gives you like one of my earliest surfing memories is being pushed off in a wave by my dad um this is like pre-wetsuit era too <laughs> so it's yeah nice Sur- surfing chilly, in this yeah. little bikini age yeah. like four or five or something oh, <laughs> yeah i know i don't know if i do it now <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> That's a fearless little thing Cold that i was just thinking about it yeah but it was just that moment of you're you're kind of on your own as well there's something about surfing that is really solitary that's so important like you can't be protected like you have to learn the art of falling you know really well um and and learn how to let go the the fear of that um i suppose the fear of falling and and that's maybe what allows you to stay on the surfboard yeah (laughs) and so that was kind of instilled in me early on so one of my earliest memories is being pushed off on this wave and then getting tossed by the wave (laughs) as one does yeah Uh, yeah, so it's it's a wipeout memory and you know turned around underwater and trying to come up and hitting my head off the board Mm -hmm. and it was all quite dramatic at the time but (laughs) i can't and it was floundering around a bit but i always remember when i surfaced i wasn't like there was no um fear it was just kind of that yeah almost like laughter like the 
yeah, seeing the funny side of it, I suppose. Getting to the yeah. other side and looking yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and so I think it was that sense of like, oh, I made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is a bit of humor in it, right? Once you realize how serious you've taken your fear, you know, before you, you transpire that fear, it's, you, you can laugh about it in retrospect, you know, how, how over-serious we can become. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so that was, it's been an interesting relationship with, with fear on my life then as a result, I suppose. It, that's been, yeah. So it's something, something about that, the importance of, I suppose, those kind of moments for, especially for young people and kids growing up, is that the independence and autonomy that can come with being immersed, especially in water. Because water is an interesting one. And in Ireland, it's something like historically, too, we have a funny relationship that hasn't always been positive, And it is a place of um, huge, I suppose, loss as well as healing. Right. So in Ireland, we, you know, we still have and people actively go to like sacred sites and uh, holy wells. Uh, you know, so water is very, you know, powerful associations with healing. Sure. And then, but then the sea is also being like we've never, we haven't, as a maritime nation, we never really developed like a, a very, you know, powerful fishing fleet and a lot of the time because we were under colonial rule right, and yeah. And then it was this. That's where the so-called like coffin or famine ships would have left in the 1800s and taken people away so it was who right. often never came back right and right so there was a, i think all of these things feeding in through generations there's this kind of strange relationship we often have as an island nation compared to maybe other island nations who embrace the sea a lot more right and i feel like in ireland we're kind of there's like a reawakening happening around yeah. how important the sea is obviously for our own identity but also um how much we can benefit from it rather than fear it. Wow, that's a fascinating um, evolution to, to witness and be a part of because, I mean, now you've come full circle um, and obviously for some years now, but, but I mean, I was talking to a woman just the other day and she was asking about the surf and she was saying, oh, as, you know, as a child, you don't even, it was strictly forbidden, you know, you just don't go in the sea. You know? It's just <laughs> something you don't do. And, you know, to hear, you know, you putting the timeline so concisely like that into all those layers it's interesting that now it's like you said this kind of reawakened state of, of like, oh we can use this element in this way too for the healing and for the play and yeah yeah, yeah. it's fascinating it's almost yeah recovering those um lost elements of of that we're always are part of our relationship with water in sure. ireland yeah yeah i'm seeing that definitely through it's lovely to see that emerge through sort of more i suppose even scientific research work yeah uh, what that sort of intuitive feeling that's always been there yeah uh, so it's really validating in that it's sense. really exciting i'm so so happy with with um all the different projects that are going on in the natural and social sciences that are focusing on like you said these things that are really um you know intuitively known and, and known on a deeper level but we haven't been able to kind of either articulate or, or kind of tangibly put our finger on until now and, and having that empirical you know evidence to support this stuff is so important to help you know push uh broader influence you know yeah, yeah yeah and just that learning to value it before i guess before it's too late i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be morbid yeah uh, yeah okay but really, <laughs> i mean honestly truly though you know it's yeah what are we waiting for yeah I mean, and it's that like yeah going back to this was the initial question it's like that um is it Anne marl Lindbergh wrote that beautiful book gift gift of the sea i think it's called oh, um familiar. where she takes herself off to this cabin and um, basically, uh, beach combs and writes these like beautiful, um, beautiful prose, I suppose, around her relationship with the sea and, and what it gives her. 
but through the story of these different sort of shells, maybe she finds beachcombing. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, where was I going with that little like sidebar? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. About our yeah reconnection with with the ocean. Um, yeah, well, maybe that's another another le- kind of lesson that I've learned from it too. Is this? Um, it's maybe linked to that sense of. I'm not fully sure independence is the right word, but just being comfortable with mm. being, I suppose, alone. If that yeah. makes sense. The solitary yeah, the autonomy, nature of it, yeah. yeah. Um, and that, or almost, I think, in Ireland as well too, because it's where the nature of where I grew up too is quite isolated, and right. particularly socially. Sure. So within, when I went to school, no one else was surfing, and so in terms of like, I, you know opportunities of fun things to do were pretty limited <laughs> but then I was always racing back home after school to jump straight into the sea and so that was that purpose again that drive was linked to whatever the sea was doing wow. kind of dictated it and again that was such a gift you know but to be comfortable alone I think is also really really important kind of skill that's underestimated it's incredibly important um, yeah and that being and then that, that feeling of loneliness is is okay okay to also just be in and explore that too and ireland lends itself very well to that sometimes it's funny um as you're saying that it was um on this trip for me i I, you know i've been traveling alone for almost three weeks now Mm -hmm. and i've done a a fair bit of solo travel before and i did a long uh road trip up in the pacific northwest by myself last winter and um i really love traveling by myself but um but also there there is a real loneliness sometimes and um I was actually talking to my wife about it, trying to explain it to her. You know, I, I was kind of down and lonely at the time when I was talking to her. And you just, you get these waves of, mm. you know, where you feel very alone and, and isolated. And yet you realize that you've put yourself there and there's no no real um, purpose to, uh, to dwell on that, but rather just enjoy and appreciate that feeling and be okay with it and be content with that. You know, it's not, I wasn't discontent. It was just lonely, you know, and that's okay. You know, and then the next day you wake up and you feel really connected you know to whatever to the people you meet or to the animals or the land or whatever yeah and um i just think it's important to not run from those discomforts yeah definitely to, to think be able so. to sit with them and i think it's through them that you have the appreciation and obviously for recognizing those moments of of connection yeah um then in the everyday because you felt the other <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and haven't yeah. pushed it away definitely and helps you to appreciate connection yeah 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 so that's, um, yeah, that's another, like, that's what I was getting at with um, th- that, that book, Gift from the Sea, is that I feel like I've been given all these, like, little, like, gifts from the sea. Yeah, they really w- are. Washing up in my tideline. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that analogy. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That says it, yeah, very well. Um, and, and as you were pointing out, you know, so much of just kind of the inherent nature of being a surfer is that the isolation, you know, that you're immersed in this, you know, massive body of energy and, and fluctuation. And to be so small and, and to feel mm-hmm. adrift like that is a fascinating thing and it's important for people to I think become comfortable in that way too yeah I've always been kind of curious about people such as yourself who have used um, their platform or in this case surfing and or their platform to connect people because as we were just saying it's such the nature of surfers to be very kind of almost isolationist and mm-hmm. um, you know whether whether you want to take it to the extremes of being territorial or, or whatever but I'm always really curious about people who can kind of walk that balance. And I'm curious how you've found that balance yourself, like using that platform to draw people together and to share a story and connect them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ooh, balance. Yeah. <laughs> Get to balance in a moment. But on the, yeah, I think again, back to like the gift, gifts from the sea. I suppose having that appreciation of how much I've been given through that experience um, that I had and that I, I have my whole life and recognizing that that's not the norm and then how and when I because I have such a strong connection I have that with that comes that awareness and um, and responsibility and respect and and how to you know want to take action to, sure. to better look after it and care for it and but that's almost like a privilege as well to have had that like type of connection with the sea yeah. and that level of understanding and how then do you create that on like a, a grander scale mm. I think we sort of need a mass awakening but even starting small sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the benefit really like I suppose for me it came to a, a point of like well what's the point It's great because I feel good, <laughs> and yeah. in a way, that's like the good, the good, the best, worst thing about surfing is that there's nothing to it other than how it makes us feel. Like it doesn't make much sense otherwise. The effort reward often doesn't <laughs> seem to balance out. It really doesn't make um, much but sense. But you're left no. with this feeling that you just feel so good, yeah. um, and that's kind of it, um, which is which is a lovely thing about it. But also, it's like, uh, yeah, but could that be tapped to actually create connection through that feeling? You know, mm. if, if it makes you feel so good. And a lot of the time we, I, I see how, for me, it's almost like this, this guard drops and I'm more at ease. And there's that playful element to it too, or just that presencing that happens because you're just either confronted with waves coming at you or, you know. Um, so yeah. I just feel like it's such a great medium to I don't know, experiment with that to see how it could facilitate something like um, spreading that feel, how good it makes you feel, and through that, ultimately comes back to connection for me. Yeah. So my driving force is how understanding the relationship between people and the sea, and then feeling like there's a disconnect. So how do we create that reconnection? Yeah. Um, and I think it comes through definitely more of those direct experiences where we feel, interestingly, two things happen at once, you feel more connected to the environment and ergo you feel more connected to yourself and your body. Yeah. <laughs> and I find more often than not when that happens for people, there's this openness that comes with it that makes it much easier to engage with each other as well. And so there's this lovely ripple effect. Well, in a way you're kind of um, relearning your relationship with, like you said, with yourself, but also with your you know, natural environment and you know, at the end of the day, that we have so much more in common than different from one another. And, and you know, if you're stuck in your head or you're not in tune with yourself, it can be kind of flipped on you sometimes. Or, you, you know, you find all these reasons to divide and yeah. draw lines in the sand, but it's just silly. It's, it's really quite the opposite ratio of connection, you know. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's why, like, why water is the other question that, in, from a research point of view, that I'm interested in. Yeah. In particular, the sea and something about waves and, um, and, there, you know, there's a few different elements in that, but part of it is kind of what you said that it's so, a like water by its very nature is fluid. So it <laughs> it's, it's it's almost paradoxical having like the only constant be this thing that's in constant flux. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, there's, um, some, there's a beauty to that. I like it. And then it's a total leveler too. Like we, I, I mean, we use it in some of the some of the work I do also involves around leadership development, and we actively use the sea as the learning environment and one of the first exercises we get people to come do and these are people who are like you know 
top of their game and sure. finders and CEOs. And it's just amazing. Successful on land. Yeah, yeah successful <laughs> on land. <laughs> I mean, it was like wave play exercise. So going back to the roots again of what drew us to the sea and how we probably first experienced it was you know, body surfing and playing in the shore yeah. break. Um, so <laughs> yeah. And you take the equipment and performance aspect out of it and it's actually just about play. And it's amazing how quickly that just, yeah. Um, it's an equalizer. It's an equalizer, sure. yeah. yeah. Egos, egos kind of just get washed up on the shore and they stay there. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's just, God, I love that so much about it, the ocean. But it does that, you know, and you can, yeah, you really see someone get knocked off the totem pole sometimes, you know, and it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's great. Yeah, you know? and even the very best in, in the world, it's, it's great. Oh, yeah. Like, you can be, you know, a total beginner or, or yeah. the, yeah. It's one of the few, I think, um, few spaces naturally that occur where where the rest of the influences of society and status and all that can become completely um, irrelevant and they're just gone in a moment in, in one moment of you know one wipe out all that's gone and <laughs> you need someone's help or you need to help somebody or you yeah, know yeah and um, just remembering that uh, like you said once you take the equipment out of it that you're just you're just a human trying to swim. You know? I know, right? <laughs> and and that's what is really cool, like fascinating as well. It's like we're all of a sudden not in control, and our whole lives increasingly in, in the world I'm experiencing and society at large seems to be a lot about how to how to take control, keep control. Yeah, <laughs> appear holding. to be appear to be in control. Yeah, yeah, dominate, conquer. Um, yeah, or the control that comes with everything being focused on a particular you know, goal or outcomes or you know delivering outputs right. and yeah. and surfing like it doesn't matter how good you are, you can't force a line on a wave, no. you know, and it just won't work. Yeah, the um, attachments will serve you so, very poorly. Yeah, <laughs> as so, they do, anyways. Again, I mean, that's getting a bit philosophical. Um, no, I love it's, it. That's it's another. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely at the uh, at the center of it, really. Um, yeah, and it's funny that you were talking about the the point of getting to the realization of like, what's the point? Because mm. I was chatting a bit with uh, Fergal the other day when I was up at the Moyhill Farm, and yeah. I was asking him about his transition from the life that he led and you know that kind of epoch of his life, and then the new one that he's in now, and how different they are, and, and how in a way he kind of did this pendulum swing, you know, and. And um, he very much so was, was saying kind of similar things of like, well, what's the point? You know, like, what? Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, I've done this, I've done that. And at the end of the day, like, what do I have to show for it? Or what, what do I have to offer? Yeah, and I don't want to yeah. speak for him, but I certainly, at least that's what I recall gathering from what he was saying. And um, it, it made total sense. I've been getting to that point myself recently where I'm just like, I've been really, really like um, digging my heels in consistently since I've started surfing more and more you know, progressively in terms of like becoming more engaged with the surf and chasing the surf and traveling mm. with the surf and, you know, taking these cold ass road trips around various places and like people <laughs> just like looking at me like, why'd you do that, you know? And at the end of the day, I don't really have, I don't really have an answer for him other than just the feeling, like you said. And, um, but at the same time, that feeling is, is fleeting and there's, uh, there can be a hollowness if that's mm. all that year after is yeah. this you know chasing this uh thing that will forever be out of reach just enough mm. and um and i think that uh i don't know it's important to ask those questions i guess that you were talking about you know just like what is the point why am i doing this yeah and what can i do with this that will serve a greater utility and it, it's like that transition like almost like, like that ferg took that journey in the literal sense of like what is he going to take with him out of out of the sea from his surf experience onto like making 
so it's making change happen on land right um, and making that connection between the two so yeah it's almost like what what knowledge or wisdom are you going to take from all that experience that you <laughs> you've had from being immersed in the sea your whole life yeah um, and so. I think that it's it's really the only um, the only real evolved thing to do is as a surfer who or, or as a person in general like you said who's received the gifts of of being exposed to that environment or growing up by the sea you know you have received all these gifts that wash upon your shore um, you know let's let's show some gratitude and, and return that favor somehow you know because we keep receiving and taking and taking how do we give back you know yeah and I mean going back to like that like the, I suppose the work I do it's a combination of like under, understanding how people connect and engage and if they're not if that's not happening what are what are the barriers and yeah. that's when we'll be looking at the research in the university in Galway um, yeah tell me a little bit about the research you were yeah. telling me a bit earlier um, and then I suppose alongside that is the um, almost that awareness and understanding part the becoming more ocean literate I'm a big advocate for and yeah. I think there's no excuse in Ireland yeah. every person should have a, a high degree of ocean literacy <laughs> as an islander Hydrophiles. Um, yeah but um, I think so there's a, a few different things where you can approach it in lots of different ways my, my sister for example um, Becky Finn is um, she's a little bit younger than me but works for Clean Coasts in, in this they're kind of like this environmental organization that nationally kind of mobilize over thanks so well over 600 community coastal care community groups wow. to get involved in like the dune nourishment uh, program which we see happening here sure. in strand hill or uh, beach cleanups mm -hmm. and and then i've recently been able to partner with them and my sister from a research perspective at looking at not only what is like the environmental impact and benefit of like turning a polluted environment into a cleaner one um looking at the sort of almost the well-being outcomes of engaging in these kinds of group activities doing something good for the environment like a beach cleanup um, so that's been really exciting to look at like the importance of um those kinds of activities in terms of creating that social connection as well mm. um it's the i suppose being physical and outdoors we spend so much of our life inside that that was like for people actually a big takeaway just to simply be outside yeah, and absolutely. move around yeah it's novel for a lot of people yeah, yeah. but also then the strong attachment people do have to the, these places and then this is another like a way for them to engage it's like almost like a, a gateway activity in yeah, that sense absolutely. To, to reconnect and of course it's not going to solve the whole problem when it comes to ocean plastics far from it but i actually don't think that's the point point is again it's about this community building and awareness and then the connection people have with each other and how important that is for our health and well-being as well yeah um, and you're kind of playing the role you were saying of um, somewhat consolidating and integrating all these existing bodies of research right so yeah um, how would you explain like the specific role you're playing with the research like yeah so right now we're shifting um, into this uh, exciting new project that's been funded by the EU um, called SOFI. So it stands for, um, it's cool, it has like, it sounds like some kind of sea goddess. It does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, seas and oceans for public health in Europe. So it's doing a couple wow. of important things. Like uh, One is, is opening up that conversation and link between um, public health and um, I suppose the, even the medical world and and then the environmental and, and marine sector mm. and 
and trying to, the aim is how do we like set a, a research agenda for oceans and human health and what are the priorities um, for people in Europe when it comes to um, ocean health and human health and the links between the two and how do, how do we understand that. So it's basically almost like mapping and pulling together all the bits of like knowledge and research that's being done and our connection to the sea, how it impacts uh, individuals and communities, not only in terms of like the risks, um, of which they're, <laughs> they're increasing number, <laughs> but what I like is looking through that sort of the health and well-being lens too, of so what do we stand to benefit by right. having a cleaner, healthier ocean. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And as you mentioned before, like kind of what inherently comes with that uh, structuring of the conversation is the emotional component that is very relatable, like kind of, um, you know, creating that story, that narrative that, that people can relate to emotionally, even if they haven't been exposed to it in a literal or, or you know, consistent sense. Um, just that way that they can understand maybe what a surfer is talking about, you know, without ever having seen the ocean. Because yeah. it's about health. It's about relationship and balance with the elements and nature and yourself yeah and we're increasingly finding that i suppose the digger that the, the deeper that you dig um that innate water connection we kind of all have right yeah you know, so building on we talked about wallace j nichols blue mind book but yeah. you know that's it's really foundational for all of this or at least a revival and looking at our uh connection with water and water is this life philosophy that I suppose been around for millennia. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, he did such a good job of, of yeah. putting language to that and just, yeah. You know, making it relatable as well to the yeah. everyday and, and then the complexity of our relationship with water too. And um, I'm really biased. I just think it's like, it's awesome. And yeah. It's, sea is the cure for everything. <laughs> totally. And, but, uh, <laughs> we're, we're a bit biased in that way, yeah. Yeah, I'm very biased, yes. Yeah. Um, but what's been in it really um, exciting to be part of in Ireland is the research we've been doing with different organizations um, working at the grassroots level um, of tapping into those natural forces inherent in an environment like the sea for its therapeutic and restorative benefits so yeah. everything from like surf therapy to adults swimming in the sea for the first time in their mm -hmm. lives and getting over that those fears or barriers since childhood to uh, beach cleans mm -hmm. to you know yeah so, no, it's all a part of the process yeah, for sure. yeah. And, and just the stories that come out of that to bring it to life um, and then sort of looking I suppose um, how to capture that impact from a more scientific perspective has, has been really really exciting and also as part of the research around oceans and human health is looking at what's already happening in terms of um, solutions and innovations in in that space of, wow. of again how, how we reconnect with the sea in a more positive way yeah so i like that that it's not all <laughs> doom and gloom because we need it yeah we, yeah we need oh, man, stories we sure of, of what matters and what's working and what to yeah. do yeah <laughs> yeah as i say the least uh least covered news story in the world is the good news on mm. any given day um yeah that's beautiful I, I love hearing just um i don't know i just love hearing about uh large-scale projects at all that yeah. are even beginning to open the conversation around those kinds of things and those value points because yeah like you said we need it badly and um i, I don't want to spend too much time on it because i know you've you've probably talked about it exhaustively but um another example of, of kind of what i see is your work and its ability to connect people was your, your process when you went over to Iran. And yeah. um, I was hoping maybe you could just like kind of basically describe, you know, what you did over there and um, yeah, however you, however you want to communicate that. So that's just an amazing example of how this, like what seems like a relatively small decision in one's life can <laughs> alter the course yeah. without realizing it. And so at the time I was 
timing is also interesting in retrospect, but it was the, I first went to Iran in 2010, and looking back now, I was kind of on the cusp of I'd been surfing professionally um, for a while, um, you know, chasing sponsorship and trying to trying to give the contest circuit a go, and sure. but I'm mostly trying also I suppose doing a lot of travel um, and trying to combine that with different ways of engaging with the marine environment through conservation work or, or whatever and but I was also at the stage where I was becoming quite disillusioned <laughs> with that whole scene yeah, and that just can it, it just it it's fit for purpose for me it didn't feel right anymore right. and then I had also started my studies um I just I think 2010 yeah, I just started my um PhD studies in University of Ulster in environment and society so I was I think I was really ready anyway <laughs> sure. for change. Yeah. And and then going to Iran was one of those big turning points. Um, how do you even end up going there? Well, it, you know, it started out, um, the idea first got kind of put out there by Stuart Butler, a travel writer with Lonely Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also a surf photographer. And he put me in touch with Marion Poiseau, French filmmaker who I'd never met before. Um, then, her missed flight <laughs> and never showed up in Iran so Marion and I met each other two strangers yeah. meeting in Tehran in this hotel for the Into first the time of it together, yeah. and we hadn't even really normally I'd like I kind of geek up on trying to you know research places before I go there um, but I thought oh my god we've got the guy <laughs> yeah sure he'll take care of that yeah yeah exactly you got you the know, lonely planet he's, guy he's, you know he's got the guidebook on it um but in a way, it's another example too why sometimes it, having a, a sort of a dose of naivety and ignorance and mm. not having built up too many expectations or assumptions is, is probably a good thing. So yeah, we literally didn't know what to expect. Uh, we had very little to go on in terms of like what it was like to surf there. Yeah. <laughs> and we had nothing to go on in what it was like to surf there if you're a woman. So right. the, one of the interesting things is, unlike anywhere else really um, from a woman's point of view is that you have to be covered in public spaces so your head's sure. covered your whole body yeah. um, which is fine in desert heat to be honest and you've got Irish right. skin you, you want to be really covered anyways burnt, yeah. so it, you know, it wasn't the end of the world um, but for surfing <laughs> that's it was, really funny I never thought about surfing that surfing was really challenging yeah I can imagine desert heat the time that there's any chance of uh, open ocean swell uh, is during the monsoon season uh-huh. so to give a bit of geographical context I, I had to look this up too before I went yeah, I was yeah, like what Iran how does it work sea, yeah. surf <laughs> yeah um, counterintuitive for sure check it out yeah. where it was in the globe and my motivation then was also my I just was confronted with so much of my own ignorance about sure. um, how little I knew about this place and how it was completely framed from this very negative um, point of view in the media mm. uh, which is a part truth but not certainly sure. not all, not all the, the whole truth. story yeah and I always know traveling, in particular traveling with, with a surfboard and with surfing, opens up a very different experience to the place often. Yeah. Um, and that was the case in Iran. So it was, again, an amazing example of how it can help create connection across cultures because right. it's this like, like, we want a great opener. Um, yeah. <laughs> someone's standing on the beach and they just look at this person surfing yeah, for the first scratching time. Scratching their head. And like, yeah. going, what is this? Yeah, uh, so on? it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. And, and we did enough research to know, okay, it's, it's probably best I try to keep covered surfing, um, mm. which in Ireland is not a problem because it's freezing cold. Yeah. You're covered from head to toe in the sure. um, yeah. But there it's 40 degrees Celsius wow. in off, wow. off a desert coastline on the border of Pakistan, yeah. uh, on the edge of the Indian Ocean. 
<laughs> really remote and Certainly so we kind of put, cobbled together this makeshift like mix of these you know yoga leggings and long sleeve rash vest baggy board shorts uh, <laughs> i found a dutch company called capsters who actually make sports hijabs so these, like, wow you're kidding hoods or head covering i guess that would make sense yeah, yeah you have to yeah so they had a one for swimming so like oh, oh perfect let's <laughs> test that out in the surf yeah. for you <laughs> <laughs> that's great but the reason why i'm emphasizing this is that because in, when the, the clip Marion first put out from that first trip, which, um, I mean, we were only there a few days on the coastline. Um, we, we didn't really meet many people or take and go surfing with anyone else at that stage. It was only afterwards when Marion posted it on YouTube that it, it gained a lot of attention. Right. Uh, you know, like BBC picked it up, um, people in Iran picked it up, and that was pivotal because there's quite a big unknown to me initially a really big sort of urban youth culture and board sports scene in Tehran, wow. massive city, surrounded by these incredible mountains that has, there's about two or three ski resorts within an hour or two of the capital. Wow. Yeah, and and so it was just this real diverse mix of a place that like had all these paradoxes going on. Yeah. But these also remarkable sportswomen um, who were, I mean, they, they kind of, get a lot of their information through social media when it comes to things like snowboarding and they also wakeboard and then they're like wait what surfing in Iran and there's this woman who's come here and been doing it and so they reached out to Marion and I wanted to know more we're like when are you coming back yeah oh that's so <laughs> cool know? and the reason maybe it's probably lots of reasons why surfing hadn't really been established in this part of Iran and that it's so remote it's to our flight from the capital um, Iran is vast and yeah. then it's a border region with Pakistan so it doesn't have the it has a checkered kind of track record when sure. it comes to smuggling and yep. tribal conflict and things like Long this and, history, yeah. yeah and yeah. quite I'm quite grateful I didn't read the article in New York Times before I went <laughs> that described it as the scariest little corner runner oh my god yeah <laughs> but it is absolutely not I nearly but what a testament like you said to how misleading oh, you know, that so can be misleading, yeah. yeah I mean because my I can only speak from my experience sure and and again it, in a way I do think surfing was that great opener and connector and then luckily it was embraced and I think it was very accepted in what was quite a conservative part of Iran because it they didn't have any reason not to because it I in a way showing that it was possible to do it within the those societies rules and norms being covered actually opened it up and made it possible for other women to try it rather than it being shut down straight away wow um so that was a really good starting point and I think you know whatever it takes to get to allow people to experience just the benefits and power of being in the sea or trying something like surfing for the first time is so important. Absolutely. Um, so it was about how best, the, the journey then became how best to enable that. Um, and it really wouldn't have been possible without the support of quite remarkable Iranian women who supported us when we came back in 2013 to make the documentary called right. Into the Sea. And that's a feature documentary that kind of captures that kind of key moment now in surf history for Iran, which is how surfing was started by women. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that, to me, that's like, that's the most interesting core of it. It's just like yeah. unbelievable and just so, so cool that that you or anybody was able to accomplish that, you know, and that surfing was, was the medium that did that, you know, just to have all those culture and norms and, um, you know, fears and taboos and yeah. all that stuff, just as we were talking about earlier, just totally dissolved and left on the shore and, um, you know, have women teaching men and 
I mean, God, <laughs> it just like sounds surreal to even. Like, I mean, and that's think the other it. thing that might have to really extend my gratitude to the local community. Ramin is one of the main surfing beaches okay. now established. Yeah. Um, they've set up the first surfing club. Wow. Um, but they're a local fishing village, mainly Baluch ethnic minority. Um, uh -huh. So they've been uh, historically also very marginalized um, and outside the city of Chabahar. But they, yeah, they really em embraced it and were so supportive mm. um, and just, yeah, just incredible hospitality and compassion and made us, made Marion and I feel so, so welcome. Wow. And so they just opened their homes to us and feel like a second family. What an incredible experience. Kind of drowned in hospitality. Yeah. yeah for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, for you guys, but I'm sure for them too, that was just, yeah. I mean, just, that's got to be quite the revolution to experience on a local scale like that. And it's a lovely connection because it continues. I mean, it evolves and grows in different ways and there's unexpected challenges as well as opportunities. But in the space of like five years from 2013 to now to see how it's got, it's become established as a sport, recognized nationally, mm. the local community are making a go of having this surf club. Um, there's no mass tourism, but there are people coming and traveling and, and it's, it remains sort of open and, and accessible. Yeah. Um, I, again, not for all, and there's different levels of, of inequalities. And, and so for some women, it's, they're more able to do it than others. Course, and, yeah. and so again, it's continuing to have that conversation of learning from other people's experiences of what it's like to be a surfer, yeah. you know, other than my own, and then learning how best to support and enable ways of keeping it. Yeah. Um, yeah, making it more accessible and, well, and pretty making incredible. it empowering rather than exclusive. Right, right, <laughs> absolutely, always, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's that same principle like I was talking about earlier, just like um, instead of it isolating, you know, using that to connect. And um, yeah. I mean, pretty fascinating that, you know, you come from this pioneering, you know, heritage of your own with surf here in Ireland. <laughs> and then, you know, you go over and you plant seeds of, of now what will become the, you know, the surfing heritage over there. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. it sounds like a storybook ending of some kind. and course it's just the beginning and mm. it must have just been wild to see the culture and or social interactions changing in front of your eyes like yeah, that yeah. just on an immediate scale yeah um, it was a huge eye-opener and it's only in retrospect you can kind of pull lessons out of it and it's one of those examples too where when there's no blueprint either you um and it, it's so organic how it happened like right. it wasn't mission driven sure um which in many ways is, is really great to just allow whatever wants to emerge to emerge yeah. and try to go with that. But at the same time, then in retrospect, you're like, oh, okay, you only learn by doing, right? And yeah. maybe you would think, oh, okay, if I'd known that, I might have done that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then also just the importance of surrendering and letting go. It's mm. like, well, you might have had a hand in sparking something mm. or inspiring or connecting but ultimately it just um yeah it it takes on a life of its own then um in in often unexpected ways yeah that's uh, such, yeah, such a powerful comes so much bigger than any one individual yeah right yeah. i guess in a lot of ways again given your heritage what would you say would be the importance of, of kind of the storytelling in preserving mm. culture um you know whether it's through surfing or otherwise um that's something that I think also drew me a lot to to creating a podcast was was the importance of storytelling yeah. and how important that is to have as a part of our lives and we kind of sometimes forget that yeah it's it's interesting I kind of increasingly come back to seeing it as a such an integral skill or 
element of pretty much everything we do is, is the storytelling. Like mm -hmm. I see it in all aspects of my life, um, even in, and it maybe in particular when it comes to like science and research, the storytelling right. is key in how we communicate that beyond our own little research bubbles. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. the storytelling then in the context of Ireland is fascinating because it's so, so rich and an ancient part of the culture here right. of, um, you know, people who were, you know, essentially professional storytellers were called Shanakis. And so mm. they would have traveled um, kind of, you know, from, from village to village with these stories. And that would have been in the form of like entertainment, but also how to transfer knowledge and, yeah. and learn about what's happening in other places. And that comes from, again, an even more ancient <laughs> tradition of like the bards, which would have been, or the, the filioctor, the poets. Wow. Um, and a lot of our sort of oral history and tradition would have been in the form of these, these um, essentially poems that would have been recited by traveling bards or, or wow. uh, yeah. That's fascinating, I so love yeah. that. So that. I mean, this is talk, I suppose that's in more, I suppose, pre-Christian, early Christian yeah, pagan times, more and so, pa right? more yeah. pagan, yeah. Um, the sort of the Celtic era, so to speak. But I love that there's even names for those individuals because mm -hmm. that speaks to the importance of their role, you know, that, that they even had some kind of title to be referred to by, you know, yeah. that, that that was a, of a high value to the people receiving them, you know. So I, I think in the Netflix era, we need to revisit the importance <laughs> of Shanakis and Bards. <laughs> I agree, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's that's important to remember for sure. Mm. Um, well, I guess like having developed a bit of a you know platform for yourself and a public profile and whatnot, and you know you, you kind of have come to wield a lot of influence in that way. What would you like to see kind of going forward, or what would you hope to have accomplished through surfing in the future? You know, like for people to do for the world through surfing or through the ocean, or I don't know. What would you like to see change? Oh God, it's so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, I know, sorry, it's um, kind of a loaded question, but... Yeah, yeah, maybe it's on a, continuing on a theme of stories and storytelling. Um, I think we live at a really exciting time where there's an incredible opportunity like there's never been before to be able to tell your story and put it out there. Right. Um, while at the same time, we're also seeing that, in, you know, in surfing and that is, is a pushback, which is great. Um, but the need for more diverse stories mm. and diverse perspectives and the experience how we experience these places and environments and the sea and surfing um and that needs to come out a lot more um and i think in the richness of that it'll lend itself to helping us better understand each other <laughs> um which ultimately is what it's really all about because that's where the humanity yeah, lies, yeah i think what we need really need more of is empathy right and i think nature is a great facilitator for that and in my experience of how i've worked with the sea that's been the case as well so more spaces for for um telling yeah those different kinds of stories is kind of key and yeah um yeah for me it, it's been exciting to sort of tap back into those part of my roots when it comes to storytelling and poetry and uh, just I think the different way of how we tell stories in Ireland but also how we experience the sea and surfing it seems to be quite different I think by the nature of the the climate and the elements for one yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> and then maybe the heritage as well um, and so there's been some really fantastic um, surf edits and films that have been made over the years um, 
in Ireland, but they all quite had, they had this, and there seems to be more of those being made now that are kind of, I guess, getting a bit deeper below the surface. They're a more creative, um, artistic expression of, of really diverse individuals. And so I had the chance to work with the support of Finisterre uh, with Andrew Canader, okay. Australian filmmaker, um, and actually Matt Smith. Um, yeah, yeah. So to create a, a surf edit recently called the Lunar Cycle. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check that out. I haven't seen it. So I, I bring it up because I think it touches upon and pulls together a few things we've been talking about when it comes to the storytelling, this idea of, well, my relationship with the sea in Ireland um, and then around connecting to nature through cycles and that awareness of, of more natural cycles in our lives, which also brings us back to how do we shift gears in this kind of constant always on society and emphasis on busyness and and this almost illusion of balance <laughs> that we're supposed to yeah. achieve or control yeah. yeah 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 that actually it's not a balance isn't something static it's it's about finding your own rhythm um and so a lunar cycle tells the story of following a lunar cycle for a winter in ireland and my my experience of i suppose my own body um and inner cycles with wow. this natural cycle of the tide and the moon and Oh, I love and, that. And I can't wait to check that in out. In winter. So, yeah. 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 Um, and I identify with it too because I was, I was born on a new moon ah. in, in January. So I guess it's like when it's dark, but the ocean's really energetic. Yeah. And, and so that's something that got passed on, in particular from my mother as well. My mum, of the importance of those natural cycles. And I very much learned that through the sea sure know? sure so that's probably one and of certainly connecting to the pagan roots as we were talking yeah, about as well so it's yeah a, it's another big gift from the sea that feels really true and authentic to me rather than having um i suppose yeah i, I know a lot of people are trying to seek guidance when it comes to this just reconnection and sense mm. of belonging and self-care um but i think it's really important to find i suppose your way to that and what fits for who for who you are yeah because there's yeah there's a lot of a lot of things out there <laughs> to choose from. But a lot for of directions me, you can head, yeah. It was almost this process of, of trying to, I suppose, uncover what yeah. what has been driving Dust me. off a bit of the internal, mm. yeah. What's well, And then recognizing that it's, it's already there. I think right. that's what I've learned from surfing too. Mm. Um, it propelled me out into the world to travel for most of my life. Mm. And yet I kept coming back. Um, and then until I kind of learned the lesson that everything I was seeking, it's the ultimate one, isn't it? Yeah. It's like already <laughs> inside <Sure>. me. <laughs> and then with cycles, quite literally, those natural rhythms are there always to tap into if we're able to listen. Well, that may be the most important lesson we can learn, right? Yeah, you've already got whatever you're chasing after for the most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. I'll have to check that out. That's really exciting. I mean, where can where can we find it or where can we access it? It's on uh, Vimeo. Okay. Uh, yep. Great. Uh, it's five minutes long. Yeah. And it's kind of an abstract again fusion of poetry and dance oh, and I love surf. It. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. I'll definitely I'll, I'll be sure um you know to link all that in the show notes for the episode as well so people can have oh, access cool. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of sacred sites, there's actually this there's a great moment of a scene of one of the sacred sites in North Donegal oh, as well. Wow. Um, so for me, it was part of my reconnection to my homecoming, I suppose, of, sure. of getting more grounded in Ireland again and my own sense of belonging and roots. It yeah. seems to be a theme this last year or so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great theme to be on. That's a good mm. chapter in the book for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, um, I'll just, 
I guess close out with uh, I have two signature questions I usually ask uh, each guest so prepared. far. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first one is just, uh, and you kind of alluded to an, an early one, but I, what would be your, your very first memory of mm. water at all? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, I'm just fascinated by the power of water memories. Mm. Um, and I'd love to explore that a lot more. But for me, it, I kind of almost feel like a, I'm at a loss to answer that because, you know, I listen to other people's really powerful moments of their early water memories. And I'm like, damn, I, I can't, I, mean, I just keep searching. I can't find it. Um, but you know what it is? I just think because I've been so immersed in the sea my whole life that like since before I can remember. Yeah. So my earliest memory goes back to like, <laughs> it's just in me, I think, yeah. in my body. Like, my body knows it, but it's, yeah. No, that makes complete sense. I yeah. mean, there's not, like, a definitive, like, oh, here's the beginning. So and I, I don't, don't have a very definitive yeah. beginning. It's just, like, there's a sense of it's just always been, oh. um, which is lovely. Well, that's a pretty nice, quote-unquote, <laughs> first memory. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, I, I do think some of the first ones are, the pre-surf ones would be, I'm not sure if it's so much my memory or... Um, maybe an image I was struck with like from an early photo but always playing in rock pools mm. and again I realized that's when it was laid down this knowledge of um, the constant state of flux that nature is in but that there's a rhythm and a cycle to it with the tides um, and just that sense of like exploring these little universes contained in rock pools yeah. <laughs> um, and then how the sea would kind of reclaim it and it would just it would I would um, disappear again but that early awareness and appreciation for for what it the sea does contain you know um even if we can't see it right i think was it was a really important early gift yeah yeah oh that's beautiful that's that's a pretty good one <laughs> <laughs> um so the last one would just be uh if there was one thing that you could share with um with our listeners that would better enable us to surf the waves of life mm. um you know what what would be that lesson I, I think it, yeah, God, there's, there's so, so many kind of lessons to right. distill that I've received <laughs> from sure. the sea. Um, but I, I think one of the, maybe the more powerful and beautiful ones is when we, because life is increasingly going to throw these waves at us, whether it's like the wave we want or not, yeah. we can't control that. So it's like, again, if the wave maybe represents that or this, I suppose it's both a challenge and an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it has this kind of limitless potential in it. And what it offers will depend on how we choose to respond. And I think what's very challenging in the world today is that because we're so busy and have this kind of, quite toxic relationship with time that we tend to react a lot more to all this stimulus or challenge or fears and one of the really beautiful lessons from the sea in wave riding is um, I suppose noticing our response <laughs> and instead of resisting it you know because it's incredible if you were to go into the sea here today and just sort of stand there and try to like hold your ground <laughs> as a wave comes and hits you you will get utterly destroyed yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what happens if you actually i find if you allow your body to soften into that same wave and almost be taken with with it 
um, it actually energizes you. And so it's, in a nutshell, instead of like meeting that challenge or fear with resistance or, or a block that you meet in your path, what would it be like if you could surrender to it and in actual fact, be more like water? Yeah. Uh. yeah. Move like water. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. I love it. Yeah. Inspired by Bruce Lee. Yeah, I was just yes. going <laughs> One of my um, you like water, mom, my friends. mom's early childhood heroes that oh, I got, got passed cool. on to me. Mine too, for sure. Yeah. I grew up watching all those as a kid. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, That thanks. was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for just making the time and, and uh, being able to impart uh, your experiences and you know, insights and wisdom from your own life experience. Thank you. I think yeah. it's only possible to tease out the insights in, in conversation like this. It's the beauty of yeah. the podcast. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. that's beauty why I like doing it. Yeah, I get yeah. to connect Thank and you. learn from, from you and everyone else. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much. Of course. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. That's going to do it for our show today, everybody. If you're enjoying this series and want to help it grow, Please take the time to tell a friend, colleague, or loved one about this or any other episode you think they might find enjoyable as well. It's listener recommendations and support from people like you that keep the show going. If you'd like to support this project further, you can donate on Patreon. As always, if you have any questions, thoughts, or feedback about today's episode or any other, please feel free to reach out to me directly through our website at www.offshoreinsightspod.com. That's Offshore Insights, followed by the letters P-O-D.com. Be sure to check out the episodes there as well, as I include loads of great resources and additional content to complement the episodes. Next time we meet, it will be a new year. I wish you all a most incredible celebration of life and a happy and healthy new year. Today, I'll leave you with a song by Dayfade, titled To the Moon and Back. Until next time, be well. Keep in touch and enjoy the ride.